are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 19, verse 11. Uh, Just reading the whole passage here. Um, It should say the parable of the ten minas. And it's very similar to a different parable that Jesus has told, um, the parable of the talents. They're very similar, but uh, we'll we'll be kind of discussing both of them this morning. But uh, we'll read this one together. So Luke 19, verse 11, it says, While they were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants, gave them ten minas, put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I, I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they replied, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who do not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Uh, Let's pray one more time and we'll head into what God has for us today. God, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness, your goodness. And we thank you that your call to all of us is to follow you. That after defeat, after victory, no matter what season or circumstance or situation we might find ourselves in, Jesus, you are persistent in in loving us and calling us to keep following after you. And Lord, we say yes together this morning. So Lord, speak to us. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Before going any further, I have a short clip to share, um, and then we'll go from there. And that's it, right? So, <laughs> for those of you who don't know uh, what movie this is from, it's from The Notebook. Um, have I watched it? I plead the fifth. Um, is it in my top ten movies of all time? Don't worry about it. But basically, this movie is a love story between those two characters, uh, played by Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. And I first came across this scene on Facebook. 
And the, the, I guess the update or whatever that went with it is, what happens every time I ask my girl what she wants to eat, right? <laughs> so in the clip, it's basically the guy saying, you know, what do you want? And she's just like, it's not that simple. I, I, I don't know. And he keeps asking her over and over. And then near the end, she's just like, I got to go, right? And, and I don't know if you can relate to this clip, but I relate to Rachel McAdams in this clip because I feel like for me, I, I love to eat. I, love, I like to go try out different restaurants, but I hate being asked to be the one to pick. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't really care. I don't really mind. Please choose for me. So I feel like when it comes to that, I, I kind of freeze and, and am unsure of what I really want because I don't, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't know if you can relate with that. Um, but I, I, I kind of see that in my relationship with, with God as well. You know, God can come to us as children and say, you know, what, what do you want to do, my son, my daughter? What can I partner with you to do? And, and I find myself saying, I don't know. Lord, just tell me what you want so I can do it. And then oftentimes God tells us and we're like, uh, accept that, right? And it's kind of like that with food too. It's like, oh, do you, what do you want to eat? Um, anything, I don't know. And then they like, McDonald's, like, no, nah, I don't want that. And then you go through this list. And, and I see that translate into my relationship with God as well, where it's easier for me, for me to, for, in my walk with God, for him to just tell me what to do. Like, I don't want to be the one to decide or, or figure things out or do the work to just go after whatever it is is on my heart. God, just tell me what to do so I can do it. Now, I believe there are times when God specifically tells us, he gives us instruction, and our call is to obey. And I think other times God is waiting for us to take that initiative, that step of faith, to start activating what God has already placed within us. Now, for those of you who might be here for the first time, our theme at the church has been answering the call. And I believe there are times where we specifically answer the call that God has placed before us. But I believe part of it is already answering that which God has already deposited within us. You know, activating the the gifts, the callings, the passions, the desires, the convictions that God has already placed within us. And I believe that's part of answering the call. Now, this parable, as well as the parable of the talents, I mean, we're all familiar with it. We all have heard it at least once or or twice before. And, and in this one, there's 10 servants. They all get the same amount. In the parable of the talents, there's three servants. They get three different amounts. One gets 10 talents. The other gets five. And, and another gets one. The two servants gain more. And the third one does absolutely nothing with it. Now, in, in this one that we read, the, the servant wraps it in cloth because he's afraid. And, and as I was studying this passage, I found out that to cover your money with cloth is one of the most careless things you can do with money. I mean, in that time, it would even be considered an act of treason to do that. And in the other passage, we see a servant burying money. Like, who would do that, right? But did you know that archaeologists have actually found buried money in those towns and stuff? So we see that it's, it's something that people have done out of fear or, or not knowing what to do. And, and, I, and as I was looking at this parable again, um, I started putting myself in the position of one of those servants, you know, because they're given a lot of resources. They're given a lot. Um, Amina is, is two third of a, of a person's yearly wage. Like that's how much Amina was. And they were given 10. 
And to make things even crazier, a talent was actually 60 of those things. So if my math is right, that's like 40 years worth of wages that a servant was given. I mean, it's a lot of resources that a king is, is willing to entrust to his servants. So if I'm one of those servants, I'm, I'm asking myself, okay, this is crazy. Uh, can I get some next practical steps? You know, obviously they don't have a degree in, in finance or, you know, like they're just servants. And yet they're trusted with so much of the king's resources. And, and, I, and I found myself, if I was one of them, I would be kind of uh, overwhelmed or intimidated by, by being trusted with so much. You know, at least give me some next practical steps or, you know, don't go into this venture or whatever. But yet they're just given this resources and the king just says, go make me more. I mean, that's the only instruction they're given. And, and I feel like if I was one of them, I would want like specific ways to make sure I don't fail. You know, give me some, some next practical steps, some people uh, networking or whatever, so I can make sure I don't screw this up. And I think that's where faith comes in. I think too often we're afraid of squandering what God has given us. Therefore, we do absolutely nothing. Because I, I, I want to know what's next. I, I, I would rather be told what to do. And I realize I would rather have a, a step-by-step instruction manual from God. But God wants my step-by-step dependence in Him. Because if God told me all the things to do, knowing myself, I know that I'll, I'll quickly forget God and just go to how to make this thing work. But what God is looking for is partnership. Amen. He's looking for intimacy. He's looking for relationship. That he's a good father wanting to partner with his sons and his daughters to go after the things that he's already placed within our hearts. You know, I'd rather be the one in control. And I think that's why I want to know. Like, I want to know what's next. I want to know if I'm going to fail. I want to know how things are going to work out because I want to be God rather than actually trust in the God we already have. But the good news of the finished work of the cross is that Jesus didn't die so that we could be robotic slaves just following instructions, but so that we could be free sons and daughters to dream with our Father. I mean, in order to walk in that, it's going to require courage. It's going to require faith and, and to just go after it. I mean, let's think about it even in, in more practical steps. Let's say there's this person that you come across and they give you an amazing offer. You say, hey, you know, I have $500,000 ready and willing to give to you. Show me why you're worth this investment. Now, why would we be worth such an investment, right? I think for me, if I think of that number, immediately I think about myself. Like, okay, I have these loans I got to pay off. You know, you know, maybe get some nice things for myself first and then try to figure it out. But outside of consuming, outside of ourselves, outside of meeting our needs, like why would why would such a person want to give us that kind of amount? And I think it challenges us to go back to really dream and not just answering specific calls. Right? I believe God is going to speak to us in that way. But I think he has already placed within us in our original design and who he has created us to be to go after it. Not being limited by what we don't have or once I get this or whatever, then I'll start going. But to just go with what God has already given us. Uh, This past week, we were at the the district conference, uh, Sam and Jason and I. And one of the nights I I went out and and, um, just walking along the boardwalk, just just 
on my own, um, thinking about the notebook, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> just walking in, uh, just talking with the Lord. And I was reminded of the passage where Moses, he's leading the people of God. This is Exodus 32 or 33, you know. JK, I know. I'm just trying to test you, right? I don't know, right? So one of those chapters, uh, Moses is saying, you know, how am I going to lead these people? You know, how, how am I going to do what you've called me to do? Like, how am I going to actually lead these people into the promise? And like, what's going to set us apart? Give me something. And, and ultimately, Moses' cry of his heart is, God, don't send me without your presence. God, I refuse to go without you. If, if, if anything, I can't do this without your presence. And God, you know, lets his glory pass by. And it really challenged me, you know, because it's like, Lord, I, I, I want to do great things for you. But, you know, how am I going to do it without a team? You know, how am I going to do it without a spouse? Lord, please keep praying. Amen. Right. How am I going to do these things without resources? Like, how am I going to do these things without all these different things? And it challenged me to say, all you need is me. Like, and, and I think we believe that in, in a spiritual sense, like we'll tweet that. But when it comes down to it, we don't actually live that out. Like, God, it really depends on you. And I was really challenged by that. And, and I remember even the last night, like this is me just being really honest. Um, uh, the sermon was about the Holy Spirit and, and all the pastors were up there um, just going after it. And to my right, we, uh, how many of you guys remember Lisa? Uh, from from our uh, retreat, I see her and her husband like just praying for one another, and and I don't know what they were praying, and I wasn't trying to like you know whatever. I was very far away, all right. But I saw it, and it was such a beautiful picture of what it seemed like a husband and wife just reminding each other of the promises of God. They were just stirring one another up. Just I don't know what they were saying, but you know in my mind that's what I'm thinking. And I remember thinking to myself, I would love to have that. For, for, for my ministry, for pursuit or whatever. And yet, once again, I was reminded to just go with what God has already given me. I mean, if, if God really says that a, a faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain, why do we try to add more to it, you know? Why do we try to make it more complicated than, than it has to be God's presence and something else? And I think for that, it's to just walk in the faith and courage that God has, has given us. And I, I believe that requires good stewardship, but yet, we can't steward that which we've never actually surrendered to God. I mean, in this parable, we see the king giving uh, resources to the servants, but it was never the servants' actual resources, you know? Uh, they were called to steward it. And I think when it comes to the issue of stewardship, it, it's twofold. I think the first is that God blesses us with many things, but instead of us owning those things, those things end up owning us. So we go to our, our relationships or our, our checking account or whatever to find our identity, our security. That instead of these blessings being something we steward uh, and, and we take a hold of, they actually take a hold of us. Um, and, 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 the, and the truth and the reality is, is that God alone is our master. Amen. I mean, the truth is God is not interested in our tithes. He's interested in our all. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross wasn't a, a fractional sacrifice. He gave it all for us. Now, I don't know if you've ever actually looked into uh, tithing or anything, but my conclusion is, is that, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Don't fire me, right? <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, but tithing, I believe, is only an Old Testament principle. And we don't see it in the New Testament. Jesus doesn't say you got to tithe. Paul doesn't say you got to tithe. Instead, Jesus says, give me your all. Right? The, the Old Testament principle is, all right, give 10%. The 
The New Testament is, I want your all. I mean, I would rather stick with tithing than Paul's call to us to be living sacrifices. You know what I mean? Because God is after our all. He wants our all. And I think that's the call of stewardship is that we surrender these, all of these things to us. And the second issue uh, along with that is, is that God gives us many things. And yet while they're in our custody, we don't actually take ownership of it. I think that's the other issue of stewardship. The first thing is God blesses us and that we make those blessings into idols. But Bill Johnson has said that every blessing God gives you has the potential to shape the course of history or become a golden calf. I think that's the first issue. And I think the second is God blesses us. And and while it's in our custody, we don't actually take ownership of it. That's what leads to covering the money with the cloth or burying it because we we just don't want anything to do with it. And and I think all both of these things require us to surrender and to surrender requires back once again to faith. But it's risk filled faith. I mean, if I'm constantly trying to uh, develop some kind of point system, a value system of of why I do what I do or don't do what I do, then I I feel like my faith is more calculating than it is risk-taking. Now, I'm not against strategy or counsel or planning, but I think too often we only take the steps of faith that we know are going to work out for us. And if that's the case, is that really faith? Now, last week, Sam uh, gave a talk about... um, our comfort zone and things like that, and and how we could do many things in the name of faith and for faith, but yet actually never leave our comfort zone. And I think in order to walk in risk, to live in risk, it's going to require us to leave it behind, to leave behind familiar shores. Now, did you know that the Holy Spirit, he's known as our comforter, amen? I mean, that's one of his titles. That's one of his jobs, that he comes alongside of us to encourage us, to strengthen us, to be with us, to be for us. He's our comforter. But yet, why would we need a comforter if all we do is only operate in our comfort zone? I mean, if we want the Holy Spirit to, to move within us and through us and take us to places we've never gone before and do things that we've never done before, and we want the comforter, I mean, he's not going to comfort us when we're so comfortable already in our comfort zone, Right? It's like a 21st century modern day tongue twister, right? Spiritualized, you know, like, and I believe for me, when I think about that, it challenges me to really go beyond what I'm comfortable with because I want my faith to be so big, so crazy that I fail. You know, like I want my faith to be so big, so crazy that I fail. Um, one, one of my professors, I mean, you've heard him all the time, Dr. Sanders, he was sharing about, uh, taking risks. And he says something like how he wants to be succeeding only about 75% of the time. Because if he's, you know, hitting the mark every single time, then he's not taking enough risks. And if he's failing all the time, then he's, you know, he's, I don't know, he's, he needs help, right? But he wants to hit that mark where I want my faith to be so big, so crazy that I fail, that I fail big, and, I'm, and that I'm willing to even fail big again. And I think most of our times we don't think about that because somehow we've married faith to success. That somehow you you are only a person of faith if you see success. So we don't pray for the sick or we don't go after our dreams or our passions because if we fail, then I, I didn't have enough faith. But God will judge you not by your successes, but your faithfulness. You know, to just go after it and be faithful with God has for you. Right. Quoting Bill Johnson once again, he says, if you live cautiously. Your friends will call you wise, 
but you won't move many mountains. And there's an old school video of John Wimber uh, who started the whole vineyard movement. And he's talking about everyone in this world is a fool for something. I want to be a fool for Christ. I don't want to be considered wise by the world's standards. But I want to have so much faith, be so crazy and ridiculous in my faith of what God can do, of what God wants to do, that I'll look like a fool. You know what I mean? Like I will be willing to do that of what he has given me. I want to move mountains. And I believe that every mountain that stands in the way will either be moved into the seas or climbed in scale. But regardless, it will be by faith. And that's the challenge of moving forward in faith. Because like I said, God's not going to judge us by how successful we are, but how faithful we've been with what he's given us. And God's faithfulness on your life will always look like faith. Right? His faithfulness on your life will always look like faith. And to just walk in the measure of faith that you already have. Don't look at the people around you. You know, comparison and insecurity will always rob you of your destiny. Now, I believe in back to the parable, the servant could, could get so caught up in, in what other people have gotten in comparison that, you know, he could have not walked into the fullness of what God has. Now, either insecurity says, you know, who am I to be given so much? Like, <laughs> God, if you only knew me, you wouldn't even give me this much. Or you would say, you know, how dare that person get more than me? You know, I'm a harder worker than that person. Or I've been praying more or whatever, however you want to spiritualize it, you know. But just you just walk in the measure of what of where you already are. Because like I said, comparison and insecurity can rob you from what God has already given, has given you. Every single one of you here. Every single one of us here together has something to offer, amen? By being a child of God, we have something to bring to the table in our Father's house. There's things that only you could bring and only things that you can offer that no one else can. I mean, like Sam was sharing, like, when it comes to your family, no one has the the position, the influence that you have to make a difference by your prayers. Simply because you're you and that's your family. I mean, you have something to offer as a child. I mean, as a servant, maybe we're given different things. Because the sober reality is, is that in the parable of the talents, it, 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 put, it, it clearly says that each servant was given to, to the measure of their ability. I mean, I can't sing and play piano like Michelle. You know what I mean? Like, I can pray for an impartation, but it's just not going to work, you know? Like, if I led worship next week... No, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't even know why my mind's going there because it's awful, you know, but to just walk in the place that you already have, because if you are faithful with what God has already given you, what he says to you is the same to everyone else. You've been trustworthy. Here's more because I believe the reward of faithfulness of good stewardship is always more. The, the, the reward of a job well done is here's more work to be done. I mean, that's what God wants to give us. And, and the thing that attracted me so much about uh, this particular parable in, in, in Luke is that the offer isn't just more resources, but it's cities. You know, not so that we could become rulers or anything, but I, I, I want, you know, our, our churches here, you know, Upside Down Life Church, Sycamore, your, your, in your workplace, that we could influence and impact cities. Amen. I mean, I believe our call is, is to really make a difference, to transform cities, to disciple nations, to change the world. Amen. Like, I remember even singing that song, History Maker, reading it, or not reading it, right? 
well, technically, if you want to be technical, right? But so singing it when I was, you know, over 10 years ago and just really believing in it. And I believe as we get older, you know, it's harder for us to believe that because of, of circumstances, because of responsibilities and all these different things. But I believe our destiny is to transform cities, to disciple nations, and to change the world. And only when we come together stewarding what God has given us, not worrying that this person has, was given this much or whatever, because in, in this other one, they're all given the same amount. The reward will always be the same. The, the affirmation of our king would be the same. Good, you know, good job. You know, faithful servant, here's more. I entrust you with more. Not just more resources, but cities. I mean, can we dream on that scale that even the little things that I'm doing now it is a seed to impact cities? And I think back to that will require wisdom because the blessings that God has for us is different. Some blessings God gives us in the form of seeds and others God will give us in the form of bread. And wisdom is you sow seeds and you consume the bread. You know, only a fool would, would sow the bread and consume the seeds. But oftentimes, I believe the small blessings God gives us, we think it's about us. When I believe God is thinking on a greater scale of cities. I mean, that's, that's my personal dream. Even when it comes to just, just the kingdom is, I don't know how to do it. You know what I mean? And, I, and like I said, if I knew how to do it, I don't think I would rely on God. But to, to make ourselves childlike before the king, you know, what, why Jesus is so attracted to childlikeness isn't because children are so innocent, right? Or because they're so cute. It's because they're totally dependent on someone else. I believe that's the childlikeness that God is looking for. I mean, if we want to be a part of the next great move of God, which I believe is coming, is, is to make ourselves not experts on how God does things, but to come simply as a child. And I think to do that is to just steward what God has given us, to partner with Him and the things that He's already placed in our hearts. It doesn't have to be like, you know, crazy right now, but in the measure of faith that God has given you, in the measure of the passions and the dreams that God has placed within you already, what can you do? Because And I believe the instruction isn't, you got to get it all right. You know, submit to me a proposal, then I'll give you the 10 talents. But here it is, just go for it. And I think that's more intimidating than anything else. But I believe that's the call for us in this season, right? That's part of answering the call. Will there be specific calls? Of course. Will there be a call to prayer? Of course. Will there be a call to other things? Of course. But sometimes the call just starts with mobilizing and moving and activating things that God has already placed within us. You have something to offer. You are valuable. We can't do this alone or without one another. Amen. We all have a part to play. We all have something to offer. And I believe that when you find out who God has created you to be, you'll never wish to be someone else. If once you get a revelation of who you are, the specific design and destiny that God has for your life, you'll never ever compare yourself or wish to be someone else because God has created you to be only you. No one can take your place. You have something to offer. So together, I really want us to rally together as we move forward to be willing to just answer the call of faith. And I believe where, where, where there is faith, you know, grace abounds too. That, that there will be grace, there will be faith to just move forward with it. Now, I wish there was a part of the parable where, you know, the servant, he didn't bury it, but he risked and then he failed. 
You know, because like I want to know how the king would react in that case. You know, like, oh, I had ten, I I messed up. You know, you know, I I got stabbed in the back by my business partner. I don't know, right? But I tried. You know, and, and it would be nice to see how the king would react. Like, oh, I I see your heart. You know, like here's more. You know, like, but we don't see that. So so we're afraid to take that step of what what if I lose what he's given me already. I think the only way we'll actually find out how the king will respond in that scenario is to actually go and do it, right? I mean, I don't know, but I can only imagine that's what he wants. The only thing that he doesn't want is for us to do nothing. The only thing that he doesn't want is for us to to cover it with cloth or bury it. I mean, that's all we know. He's given us already things in our lives, our passions, our dreams, our convictions, networks, relationships, whatever. And he's just saying, go do Something with it. And I think with that is the call of urgency in this passage as well. Until I return. Right? Because Jesus is telling this, this, this parable because they, the, the, the audience that the kingdom is going to come right now. It's like, no, it's not going to. But in the meanwhile, steward well. Do well with what I've given you. And I believe that's uh, one of the calls that God has for us as a community. Right, the the reward of integrity with little things is is in, that you would be trusted with more things, right? And I believe once again back to the point is, is cities hang in the balance, amen. We're called to influence cities. We're called to influence, you know, school systems, workplaces, communities, neighborhoods, whatever. Like that's what hangs in the balance. And I believe that's the call. That's the honor. So we can partner with God to shape a city to shape communities, to shape regions, so that God's kingdom is here until he returns. Amen? So uh, as we just close this time, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come, right? Like, because he's our comforter, that, that he will lead us and call us beyond our comfort zone, to say yes to him and the things that he's already deposited within us, to take the steps of faith that, that you know, it doesn't have to be huge even now, but when the things that he has already placed within us, and maybe we've, we've not answered it out of fear or, or not knowing what to do or, or whatever. Whatever the reason is, is we don't want to fail. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. Or, or I'm waiting for, for more. Or I'm waiting for this connection or this network or this, this type of blessing or whatever. But I believe even now, let's just allow him to speak to us. And whatever he does, to just simply say yes to that. So Holy Spirit, God, I thank you. For the history makers that are gathered here together this morning. God, I thank you for the influencers, the the world changers, God. The ones that you desire to partner with. Your sons and your daughters that you've blessed with dreams and passions and convictions and desires to make a difference right where they're at. Lord, the truth is all of us have been given different things in in different measures. But what we do have in common is the Holy Spirit. Is God on our side. God who's with us. God who's for us. And if you're for us, who can be against us, God? So even now, won't you fill us with faith? Won't you fill us with dreams, desires? Maybe the things that we've been holding off on because we're waiting for the, for the green lights or the signs. But that you would resurrect those things, speak into those things. So Lord, we just make room even now this morning for you to do that. Thank you for listening to PursuitCast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org.
revival or bust.